Well, we've been talking about the idea in Sunday school of building a friendship with God. Uh, building a friendship with God. The idea of walking with God on a daily basis and over time and through communication uh, and submitting to Him that you build a friendship, that you have this relationship. And uh, that's the goal of the Christian life. That's what we want to do. And there's many aspects to it. Uh, you know, just the idea of discipleship and bringing somebody from a point of salvation, making that decision to following the Lord and believers' baptism, to encouraging and exhorting them to come and be in church and learn the Word of God. And all of these are steps in that direction. Uh, but ultimately, the Christian life is that we would be, uh, as Christians, developing and building that relationship with God on an individual basis. And that's where we get that strength. That's where we get the uh, direction of the Holy Spirit and His leadership in our lives. And uh, that's ultimately what we're going to talk about today, the idea of being led by the Spirit. Would you turn your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14, Romans chapter number 8. If we are going to be walking with God, um, then we're going to be walking with the Son of God. Then we're going to be walking filled with the Spirit because we know that they are three in one. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are each in and of themselves individuals uh, as well as part of the Godhead. And uh, so if we're communing with the Holy Spirit, we're communing with God, we're communing with, the, with Jesus, and uh, we want to make Jesus our best friend. The Holy Spirit is that member of the Trinity that lives in our bodies. And uh, Romans chapter 8, verse number 14 is our text verse this morning. Would you read it aloud with me? Let's just read it all together. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many are led by the Spirit of God. Do you have a desire to be led by the Spirit of God? To be led in your life? I tell you what, there's so many things that we deal with in our life that we really need wisdom beyond ourselves. Wisdom beyond our experience, beyond our knowledge. I mean, you know, I've heard it said uh, over and over again, and I, I, it's not original with me. Uh, it's actually Dave Smith, who's going to be here for Roundup Sunday, who said it. He says, you want to raise good kids? There's three things that are necessary. You have to pray. First of all, you got to pray. Uh, secondly, you need to pray. And thirdly, you need to pray. Uh, the three things is, is ultimately understanding that the idea of raising up children and tra training kids is, is so far beyond anyone's scope of understanding. Every child's different. Their skills are different. Their strengths are different. Their weaknesses are different. And this, the, the way in which you dealt with this child, you think, man, I figured it out. That works great. And I took care of that problem. And then this child is completely different. You're like, I, I'm doing the same thing with him I was doing with him. And now his attitude is wrong and he's not responding the same. And what am I supposed to do? Every, every kid's different. When you, have, when you have several, it just complicates it. You need to be led by the Spirit. You need wisdom beyond your experience to know how to deal with that. You need God to give you insight. Lord, how do I help my son see the error of his ways? How do I help him to understand how important this is? And, and you know, just training kids, dealing with individuals, dealing with friends and church family and all that. We need help beyond uh, what just in our mind, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't just read you know, the seven habits of highly effective people and expect to be able to get along with everybody. It takes being led by the Spirit of God and, and letting Him uh, work in your life as an individual. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, 
which ye have of God, and you are not your own. We know that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, comes and indwells the, the heart, the life of a believer at the moment of salvation. And at that point, you get all of the Holy Spirit you're going to get. Um, one time, Dr. Moody was going to uh, speak at a great big thing in, in Europe, and uh, the, there were some big wigs there in the, in the convention or whatever it was that was organizing the thing in Europe. And uh, they said, well, what's the big deal about Dr. Moody? I mean, why do we need him over here? Uh, why do we need him to come out? Why can't we just have one of our own guys preach this thing? And, and he was complaining and, and grumbling and, you know, griping about it all. And, and, and finally he's like, you know, what, what does, does D.L. Moody think he has a corner on the Holy Spirit? And uh, one of the younger but actually wiser men there said, no, Dr. Moody doesn't believe he has a corner on the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has a corner on Moody. And that's why we need him. And that's the difference. At, at salvation, we get all of the Holy Spirit we're going to get. But through walking with the Lord, through growing in the Lord, through our time of, of daily discipleship, the Holy Spirit starts to get more of us. And we start to begin to yield and let ourselves be led by the Spirit. And that's ultimately what we want to got, what we want to get to. He's not only our companion, but he is our guide if we allow him to, to be led by the Spirit. So turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter number 5. This is a key passage on the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. Galatians. Galatians chapter number 5. And uh, we'll begin by looking down at verse number 13. He says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty... Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all of the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, what's the next four words? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. He says, And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He says, Hey, being led by the Spirit. You see, some people would want to use the fact that we're under liberty to have an occasion to the flesh. The fact that, hey, we're not under the law. I don't have to follow the law. I can do what I want to do. He says, no, no. You're to be led by the Spirit. And he says, no, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Because the law is not binding for you. The law is not even necessary for you. The law could be completely absent and non-existent. It doesn't matter because you're being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to teach you what you should do and shouldn't do. That's what he's saying, that, that the flesh wants to go over here and break the law and do anything that we want to do. But don't use the, don't use the fact that we're under liberty for, a spirit, for an occasion to the flesh. No, be led by the Spirit. And yeah, the law doesn't matter to you. It's, it's not a, a hard taskmaster if you're being led by the Spirit. The law is, is almost, you could say, and I got to be careful because people take things apart. You could almost say like the law is irrelevant 
And I believe the law is there and it's not. But I'm saying the idea of if we're truly being led by the Spirit, the Spirit is not going to lead us contrary to the law. The Spirit is going to take us even further than the law. That's what uh, Jesus was saying to them. You know, you've heard, thou shalt not kill. This is true. You shouldn't kill each other. That's the law. But what does the Spirit say? The Spirit says, but if you have been angry with thy brother without a cause, if you have thought about killing them, then you've done it already in your heart. You see, the Spirit would take us so much further than what the letter of the law is. That's what he's saying there. So what I want you to understand is there's an expectation that we would be walking in the Spirit as Christians. This is what we're supposed to do. There's only two options. What do you think the two options are as a Christian? You have two options, and they're both talked about in this passage of Scripture. In relation to this topic, what are the two options? Well, first, if we're going to honor and please God, we're going to, what are the four words in here? Walk in the Spirit. Now, say, so that's option number one. As Christians, you've got the option to walk in the Spirit. And what in this text would be the opposite of that? You don't have to give me the Bible terms, but basically it would be walking in the flesh. So those are our two options. As, as Christians, you, you know, you're going to walk in the flesh and live how you want and do what you want to do, or you're going to walk in the Spirit. There's not any in-between. I think a lot of Christians feel like, well, you know, I'm in-between. I'm, I'm a good Christian. I'm not over here living in a bunch of sin and doing all this stuff that's wrong. And I mean, you look at the world and compared to them, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. But we also know we're not over here walking in the Spirit. We know that because the Spirit hasn't led us in so long. The Spirit hasn't directed our steps. We haven't yielded to the Spirit. We haven't changed any of our habits. We, we know we're not walking in the Spirit, but somehow we feel spiritual because we're not over here living in sin. But you see, there's only two options. You're either walking in the flesh or you're walking in the Spirit. So we've got to evaluate our hearts and realize, okay, there's an expectation from God that as Christians we would be walking in the Spirit. That means we need to yield to Him and allow him to direct our lives. Is the Holy Spirit directing you? Can I tell you that it's possible to ignore the Holy Spirit's direction? Any of you parents ever given your child some direction that they ignored? <laughs> that they didn't, they didn't hear, right? That's what they say. I didn't hear you. How come you didn't get up and put your dishes in the sink? Oh, I didn't hear you. And then in your mind as a parent, you're trying to evaluate, okay, did they really not hear me or is that direct disobedience? Because you deal with those two things differently. <laughs> and so you're trying to decide, okay, is, is he being honest? Did he not hear me? Did I not speak loud enough? Or, or did he just lie and compound the problem uh, that he just didn't obey? You know, and so you're trying to decide, man, we need wisdom as parents, how to deal with our children. It's so, so important. But he gives us in this passage of scripture the contrast between those two options. So as Christians, we're either going to be walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. But he gives to us clearly a description of what those two lives are like and where they end up. Even as a Christian, he's dealing with Christians here. He's talking about people that are saved, that know Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit really is dwelling in their heart. But either you're walking in the spirit or you're walking in the flesh. Look at verse number 22. We see the first option described for us. 
where he talks about walking in the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. He says, hey, here's the first option, walking in the Spirit. And he says, if you're walking in the Spirit... These things are going to be evident in your life. This, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be prominent. The fruit of the Spirit is going to be worked out in your heart and in your life and in your actions and in your responses and, and in your relationships. You're going to see the fruit of the Spirit come through. And he says there, the idea in verse number 24, that you're going to crucify the flesh. All of its affections and all of its lust, all of those desires, the flesh, you've crucified that so that you can walk in the Spirit. And the result of walking in the Spirit, I mean, if you consider these things, I mean, how many people don't want their life filled with love, with joy, with peace, with long-suffering, with gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? Those are the results of walking in the Spirit. And we, we know that that fruit of the Spirit is going to be evident I don't even believe, I, I, there's two aspects to this. There's, there's a side of it that, you know, if you plant an apple tree, apples are going to come out of it, right? If we're walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is going to start to be evident in our lives. It is a result it is a, it is the, you know, you reap what you sow. And as a Christian, if we're walking in the spirit, we're going to begin to see this coming out in our life. But then look at the second option he tells us here. The second is if you're walking in the flesh, look at verse 19 now through 21. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these idolatry, fornication, uncleanliness, Lysibiousness, idolatry, uh, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, rivalings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He gives to us here this list of walking in the flesh. Nobody wants those things. Nobody would say, oh yeah, this is what I want as part of my life. This is the type of spirit and attitudes and, and, and results that I want in my uh, relationship with my wife. This is what I want with my family, these types of spirits and attitudes coming through. But you see, that's the result of walking in the flesh. Walking in the flesh is going to produce that fruit. Walking in the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. This is vitally important for us as Christians. Vitally important for us to experience and have what the Bible calls the abundant Christian life. The results of walking in the flesh, we know, is destruction. It's a life of heartache. It's a life of pain. And yet, so many Christians literally are walking in the flesh. And this is the fruit that's produced by walking in the flesh. When we could have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, we could have that coming out. 
if we would walk in the Spirit. So there's an expectation given that as Christians we would be walking in the Spirit, and certainly it is worthwhile to do it. Then I want you to see the experience, or we could call it the example. We know that Jesus Christ was our example. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, the, the concept and idea of, of, you know, there are three in one and one in three and Jesus, the Son of God, and then Jesus is, is God and he's all three, but now he's full of the Holy Ghost too. And, and how all of this works, I, you know, I can't explain it exactly, but I tell you that the Bible says that he was full of the Holy Ghost. He had the Spirit in his heart. He's our example. And just as Christ did, and he was led by the Spirit, we're to be led by the Spirit. And it's only when we move all other distractions. Sometimes, you know, we're talking about the example of kids not hearing what you have to say. You know, I tell my kids, the reason you didn't hear is because you were distracted. Because for you, that game was more important than what mom was saying. And that shouldn't be the case. Your ear needs to be tuned to mom and dad's voice. And if they speak up, that is the overriding voice. That is the, the thing that you're listening for. I mean, you could be playing a game with all your friends, and if, if you hear in the background, you know, mom call you, then the game stops. The distractions stop. You respond to mom's voice. That is what's important. Well, that's how we ought to be with the Holy Spirit. We ought to be listening for his voice. We ought to uh, put away the distractions. That's one of the things about our world today is we are so distracted. We are so distracted with all of our different devices and, uh, you know, the various means of entertainment that are available today. And and, uh, just we're more distracted than we've ever been. So to try and get and sit still and listen to the Holy Spirit is, is quite difficult. D.L. Moody said this, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition, that is everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our heart. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and this world, there is no room for the Holy Spirit. One must be empty before he can be filled. You know, every believer can know the joy of being led by the Spirit. It's available to all of us. We can know that joy. It's not, Fred doesn't have a corner on the Holy Spirit. You know, Aaron doesn't have a corner on the Holy Spirit. Anybody here can know the leading of the Holy Spirit. They can have that direction. And we know, of course, that the Holy Spirit will never lead you wrong. John 16, 13 says, How be it, when the Holy Spirit of truth has come... He will guide you unto all truth. He's going to guide us to the truth. He's going to lead us towards making right decisions, towards going the right direction, towards avoiding those things that we should avoid. He's always going to lead us right. I mean, if you had a place that you could go and get an answer and know that it was going to be right every time, it'd be kind of foolish to not consult that person, right? Um, there's some men that I called just yesterday. I needed some advice and I called a man that's a much more senior pastor than I. And uh, I value his input. I value his wisdom. 
because, uh, you know, he's had a lot of years of experience. And so when I'm in a situation that maybe I haven't faced or dealt with before, I'll call him. But I call several people. Um, you know, uh, you guys will remember many years ago we had the uh, situation where that individual wanted their $25,000 back. And I called a bunch of pastors and said, what should I do with this? You know, I mean, I must probably called five, six people. Um, said, what should I do? You know, it was kind of split almost 50-50. And every variance of, of kind of advice along those lines. I mean, on one hand, you know, people are like, you can't give her a dime. Don't give her anything. Uh, if you do that, you're going to open the floodgates and everybody in the church is going to be asking for their money back. And, you know, it's a, it's a gift to God. They gave it to God. And, and then on the other hand, uh, all the way on the other end, hey, give her that and give her more. Give her, you know, give her $5,000 more just to make sure everything's taken care of. And, and all the way to the other end and, and just the different types. And so you're looking at that and saying, okay, what do we need to do? Ultimately, you got to get with God and say, Lord, what do you think we need to do with this situation? Because even the wisdom of man, although God gives us, you know, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. And uh, it's great. Sometimes you just need to get with God. And God gave us as a church direction. And uh, I believe we handled it how he wanted us to. And there was no repercussions from it. And we were able to, uh, you know, just take care of that. And God met the need in its entirety within two weeks. And, uh, you know, just miraculous things. But that takes following the Holy Spirit. He's going to reveal truth to you. He's going to lead you in truth. He's never going to lead you wrong or contrary to the word of God. You know, the word of God is truth. And he's going to guide you into all truth. So he's going to lead you that way. Um, If we're submitted to the Spirit, as we should be, he will lead us. Um, consider that story of Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch um, in Acts chapter 8. Let me read a couple of verses to you there from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 uh, through 30. He says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and get toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasures and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet, when the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophets. Isaiah said, Understandest what thou readest. You see, the Holy Spirit was directing him, was leading him. Have you ever had a, what we would call a divine appointment? Have you ever seen God direct you specifically, your steps, where you should be? That you looked at it and said, I know that was God. I wonder, anybody here have a, an instance or a situation? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, but a, a situation where in your mind, you know, I know this was God. I know that he led in this way. Yes. So God directed your steps uh, and said, this is where you need to go.
Nice. It's an amazing thing when you experience the direct leadership of the Holy Spirit. When you and your heart know that he led. Um, I had that just yesterday. Um, in the middle of the night, Friday night, I woke up, was praying for some of the church family, and uh, God told me, you need to go see this person tomorrow. So I stopped. Uh, well, after grief share, um, I went and picked up a meal for the family, went over to their house, got there about 1 o'clock, and uh, when I came through the door, she just started to cry. She said, you can't know how much I needed to see you today. I did not know that, but God knew. And we were able to spend some time and talk, and there's some other miraculous things that came out of that meeting, which I would love to share, but I want to let them, if they would like to, talk about that. But, you know, it's just the direction of God, the timing of God. Uh, how those things work and you, you, in your heart and mind, you think, man, I could, I could never have planned that. I couldn't have orchestrated that. But just yielding to the spirit, knowing this is what I need to do. I really didn't have time to do that yesterday. I had a lot of extra things coming in today that I needed to do. But I said, I've got, I've got to do this. And I can tell you what, I'm so glad I did. I'm so thankful that I did. And there's been many times that I felt the leading of the Lord to do something like that. And I didn't do it. And I wonder what I missed. What, what divine appointment I missed because I wasn't willing to, to yield and, and take the time to do what the Spirit was telling me to do. So then we see the exchange, lastly here. The fact is, is we've got to have an ear to hear if we want to be led. You, you've heard the statement that communication takes two. You know, we've got the marriage conference coming up and this is a, uh, this is a big thing with, uh, with, with couples, uh, the idea of communication. Communication takes two people, takes somebody talking, somebody listening, and back and forth. I mean, it takes both people, right? And, and the, the same thing, the Holy Spirit may be trying to lead us, but if we're not listening, there is no exchange of information. There is no direction. There is no leadership being given. At least seven times in the book of Revelation, John says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And he's giving direction and talking to the churches there. But the Spirit is trying to talk to you and I. And he wants to lead us in our life. And we have the option to walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. And we get to reap the joys and the benefits of walking in the Spirit and all the fruit of the Spirit coming out. Or we reap the, the destruction and the turmoil from walking in the flesh. And the Spirit is trying to lead us in that way. But we've got to hear. You know, often a preacher is challenged to be Spirit-filled. And I believe that a spirit a pastor ought to be a spirit-filled preacher. There's no question there. But we don't think very often about the idea that we need spirit-filled listeners. We need spirit-submitted listeners. The spirit could, could be all over the preacher, and the preacher could be, could be up uh, preaching in, in the power of God. But uh, if the listener is so far from the Lord or, or has quenched the Holy Spirit so much, they're not going to hear. They're not going to hear. They don't have ears to hear. They don't want to hear. And I believe the opposite is true. The, spirit, the, the pastor could be not right with God. 
the pastor could be not filled with the Spirit. He could be drifting and cold-hearted and, and just kind of going through the motions. But if you have a Spirit-filled listener, the Word of God is powerful. It's the, it's the Lord's Word that does the work. It's not the man. Now, I believe God anoints a man. We see that in the Scriptures, and it's very clear that God uses men. But what I'm saying is that the pastor could maybe be cold-hearted, not prayed up, not spirit-filled, not ready. But you as an individual, as a spirit-led person, would hear the scripture and you would be blessed by it. You would be directed. You would gain and be, be benefit from it, even though this pastor maybe was not all what he should have been. I wonder how much greater impact the services would have if we had spirit-filled listeners. If the church was full of spirit filled, spirit-submitted listeners. We know that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, the natural man doesn't comprehend, doesn't understand spiritual things. They need to be spiritually discerned. So although uh, somebody may get up and speak, and communicate spiritual truth. The fact is, is you have to have being led by the Spirit to gain understanding and, give, and to gain benefit from it. Because to the natural man, you may hear what he's saying. It may even in your mind, you may be able to understand what he's saying. But you don't have the Spirit to guide you into all truth. You don't have the ability to spiritually discern what is being said. And even a Christian who's backslidden, who's not spirit-filled, who's not being led by the Spirit, he's not going to have spiritual discernment. You're going to hear the message, but if we're not listening to the Spirit, the message isn't being taken and applied to us. Isn't being shown and, and given to our particular lives and to our situations. So it goes beyond hearing, it goes to the application of it, and that's what the Spirit does in our heart. Let me ask you, when you listen to a message, do you ask God for more than just hearing, but spiritual understanding, for spiritual discernment? This is where we become doers of the word instead of just hearers only. I heard a story about a pastor that took a new church, like Pastor Derek is possibly going to be doing here in just a few weeks going to a new church. The pastor got up the first Sunday and he preached a, a roaring uh, message that by the tone of the people and the accolades he got on the way out was received well. And everybody enjoyed it and said, man, that was a great message, pastor. We really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. And they left. Well, the next Sunday, he got up and preached the exact same message. And a few less accolades that second week. And then the third week, he got up and he preached the exact same message. Now there's no accolades and there's a few questions. And then the fourth week, he got up and he preached the exact same message. And uh, finally, you know, one of the deacons came and they're like, you know, Pastor, we're just curious. Do you know any other messages? Uh, are, is this the only one you know? He's like, oh, well, I'll move on when you guys do. He says, as soon as we start doing what's being preached, as soon as we're doers of the word, then we'll, we'll move on to the next step. But you guys, you know, get up and say, oh, that was a great message, awesome, but there's no change taking place. 
So we're not doing it. No reason for me to move on. And, uh, oh, so it's not just about gathering and talking and having a little meeting and, and everybody going home and saying, man, that was enjoyable this morning. It's about being doers of the word, not just hearers only. And that takes the Holy Spirit applying it to our life and taking us to the next step. We know, beloved, that Satan desires to steal away the word as soon as it's heard. In Matthew 13, 19, he says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth it away. That which was sown in his heart, that is he which receiveth the seed by the wayside. He says the spirit, the, the Satan is going to come and steal away that word quick. So we need to be take that word and apply it and let it dig down and become part of our lives. And that takes being spirit-led, letting the Holy Spirit direct our steps. Over the years, I've seen many Christians respond both ways. Some being led by the Spirit, allowing the Word of God and the Spirit of God to bring about change in their lives. And they yield. Are they perfect? No. Do they falter sometimes? Yes. Do they step the wrong way sometimes? Yes. Do they make some stupid decisions sometimes? Yes. But the direction that they're headed, God is not as concerned with where you're at as he is with the direction you're headed. You, you, what, what direction are you headed? And I've seen these people walking in the spirit and seeing that change come and that growth come and, and that, that adapting and being led by the spirit. And then I've seen the opposite. Men who, ladies who were in church, hearing the same messages, under the same teaching, being led by the same pastor, all of it's the same. And yet over here, there's a bitterness growing. There's a discontentment growing. There's dissatisfaction with the church, dissatisfaction with the ministry, dissatisfaction with their Christian life. The works of the flesh are becoming more and more evident. The relationships are being challenged. There's problems and conflicts. And you say, what's the difference? One's being led by the spirit and one's being led by the flesh. That's the difference. You know, you take the story of the, the wise man that built his house upon a rock and the foolish man that built his house upon the sand. If you read that story, you realize that they were both given the same instruction. They were both given the same advice, the same wisdom, the same teaching. But the end results were drastically different, right? And so that's how we are in our lives. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, the end result will be the result of walking in the Spirit. But if we let ourselves be led by the flesh, the end result will be the result of walking in the flesh. So hopefully, as Christians, we will be led by the Spirit.